All right. So, hey, everyone. Today, we're going to be doing a full podcast on Instagram Live, which is our first time ever. And we're going to be uploading this to YouTube and Anchor and everything else at the end of it. So don't worry. You will be able to listen to this on other platforms as well. But today, me and Tete are going to be looking back at 2021 and, you know, just kind of reminiscing, you know, especially since Christmas is tomorrow about all of the awesome things that we've accomplished this year. Yes, absolutely. I think we've made some incredible leaps and bounds uh, with the various projects we've done. I think we've accomplished double uh, in 2021 what we accomplished in 2020. And I think it's been remarkable. We've had some breakthroughs. We've had many revelations. So it's been a remarkable year. I think it's been a very uh, a catalytic year in which we launched a lot of different things. And I, I think we've uh, discovered new facets about ourselves, but also where we stand as creators and, you know, what we've learned from other creators as well. Definitely, right. And I think, you know, we're really slowly to kind of expand. Last year, I think we were just kind of starting out, but now we have a bigger audience. We know how to make social media stuff better than last year. And we're also more involved. Yes, definitely. You know, there's, I think a lot of people, um, they tend to take for granted the importance of social media and utilizing it effectively for oneself as a creator, because it's one thing to create, but it's another thing to connect with an audience, form an audience, build the audience, expand the audience. And both you and I have really learned how to use uh, social media effectively, especially on platforms such as Tapas and Instagram. And I know that for a fact, you've certainly helped me utilize much of both of these platforms, especially learning the ins and outs of Instagram as well. Right, definitely. Yeah, I think it's been really rewarding. I mean, you know, we've learned so much. We've met so many new people. And, you know, we've had, you know, a lot more guests on our podcast too, you know, especially, you know, some people like Endless Midnight Moon who have been supporting us, you know, in amazing ways. And, you know, Ren... So, like, you know, there's so many awesome guest speakers that we're connecting with and, you know, kind of building our own community. For sure. Absolutely. We have done so much uh, with building our community and connecting with our fellow creators. Um, you know, it's it's a wonderful thing. This it reminds one of, you know, I think how when when writing became organized and, you know, it became a thing, if you will. You know, writer groups of writers, you know, different writers would, would uh, group up together and band together, if you will. And I think we're seeing that again, you know, with this. It's, it's, it's slow and it's gradual, but I think all things are slow and gradual. Also, it's in a modern context, you know. It's not like we're students at a university or, you know, we're bohemian uh, writers or poets, you know, in a artisanal part of a urban community mm -hmm. um so it, it's it's interesting to see this um you know what you know how do i say the the miracles of the of the internet if you will definitely absolutely right yeah. so as for yourself what do you think was the biggest change this year like for example looking back at january 2021 and comparing it to now december 2021 what do you think was one of the biggest changes I think the one of the biggest changes was a very earth moving 
decision to leave DeviantArt and um, go on to Tapas and finally utilize Tapas for, you know, all of its wonderful features and what it does. And, you know, really realizing myself as a writer and not feeling the pressure, you know, to struggle with art because DeviantArt is very anti-prose. It's very anti-writer, uh, if I can use such uh, strong words there. Um, but, you know, realizing myself as a writer and Tap has helped me with that. And I, I want to thank you for supporting me and guiding me along the way as I entered the Tapas community. So I think that was the biggest change of all was actually becoming a, uh, you know, realizing myself as a writer first and not feeling the obligation to create art, you know, to garner attention. Don't get me wrong. I still love art. I want to get back to art, you know, because I would love to illustrate my work and I love art, but you know, I feel that I, I will always be a writer first and mm -hmm. you help me realize that and, and realize that writing is just as beautiful, lyrical, powerful, effective as art, you know, despite what, you know, a lot of uh, media consumption tells us. Absolutely. And what else do you think has changed? Do you think your productivity and your approach to creating and, you know, balancing it with work has also changed? I think it has. I think it has. I've, um, I think I've become far more productive, um, you know, concerning my writing. I've had a lot more discipline, form, and structure. And I think you've helped me um, do things on Instagram. Um, you know, some of these are not necessarily writing-relatable. Like, for example, I've done scrapbooking and advent calendars and things of that nature, which helped me form a more scheduled discipline in planning um you know, different, you know, like scheduled releases on social media. Um, but I think also my productivity has increased because I've learned to balance time. And, you know, like, for example, I, I work full time. And I think a lot of people who work full time struggle with finding time to do things. And there are many days where I don't, I don't get the chance to create just because I'm tired and my brain is uh, fried, so to speak, from work. But whenever I can... I've been pushing myself, if I have a couple days, use that towards writing or social media, and, you know, and or both, if I can. Mm -hmm. And I've seen such an increase in productivity. For example, I've been, um, you know, releasing a novel series uh, based on your character, Scale, Blood and Bone on Tapas, um, with regular weekly basis. Um, I've had some great, great progress, which I never thought would happen uh, with Andre's novel, 70 Fierce Years. And we've even made some headway uh, with Kai's novel, Death and the Midwife. So, I mean, there's there's been some really groundbreaking uh, breakthroughs, you know, some real earth-shattering catalysts happening this year, thanks to the productivity, which I would have never gotten done last year because, unfortunately, I was trapped in a relentless cycle of uh, daydreaming fear and, and just letting um, depression and exhaustion keep me from writing. And sometimes there are days where I, I want to let other creators know there's going to be some days where you're going to fight and it's going to be hard to get 300 words out there, but you got to push because you're going to get good days where you're going to crank out 300, you know, 3000 words of, you know, pure lyrical beauty so you know you have to keep fighting and disciplining yourself it's it's hard it's painful 
there are days you don't want to do it, but you have to do it. And the reward is so rich. It is so worth it. It is, it's like, it's like exercising and, and getting a great body. That's what it's like. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah. I think I've learned the same thing too, you know, but I guess it's less of a drastic change and more of a gradual one for me. But either way, um, I think, you know, I've learned the same thing. You know, I can actually get a lot of things done if I schedule my time and use it wisely. Not just, you know, hey, let's wait until one o'clock to start writing or start doing something. You know, I can exactly. start writing at, you know, nine or eight. I don't have to wait until after lunch to do something, which was something I did in the past for some reason. And I couldn't even explain why, really. Exactly. You know, I think especially like, you know, for, for change to happen, there has to be spontaneity. There has to be um, an impetuousness that occurs and i think for me just like you said for yourself for me it was really really required because i'm a sort of person um it, it's hard to it's hard for me to rouse myself up when i'm stuck in a rut and i really needed this drastic spontaneity like yes i i may only have four hours to like go into work and be drained you know completely of any kind of life or soul or mind or energy but i still got four hours to spare i'm not going to waste it just milling about or whatever i'm going to spend it and i'm going to write and i'm going to crank out at least a thousand words before i go to work and mm -hmm. it's not every day you know because sometimes the schedule can be really horrendous but if i have those four hours before i can go into work i will do it and uh, i will do it fiercely and it's just been the best rewarding thing because uh, look, look what look what's been happening. Exactly right, and you know, I've noticed the same thing about myself too. Like, there's no no more excuses. Like you said, if you have time, just do it, and don't overthink it. Don't say, "Oh, I don't have inspiration." Like, I always feel like a lot of creators fall into the inspiration trap because that was what I used to be like as well. You know, I was like, "Oh, I can't create today. I don't feel inspired." It's it's a it's such a trap inspiration. I I really feel like, um, and like I said, you are going to have those dead days. You know, there will be dead days because just the, the human mind, um, with our modern living and the fact that many of us have to work, and you know, we we don't have the luxury of Tolkien of lo locking our way ourselves in a cottage, and devoting our times to writing, you know, Lord of the Rings. Um, well, even then, he was he was he was juggling a job because he was grading students' papers. So you know, he, even he's working. So he was working, but um, a lot of creators fall into inspiration trap. You know, I think there are days where things explode, and you're writing three thousand, four thousand words, or you you can create four uh, artwork pages for a comic or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, you will get those spurt days, but not every day do you have to be inspired. I think a lot of times what a, a person needs to do, a creator needs to do. Um, now, if they're a writer, it's a different thing. Now, for art, I can't say because that's more spontaneous. I am not a great artist. I'm mediocre at best. Um, my my uh, my concepts are better than my executions, I'll say that. But for writers, I think they need to think about what they're going to write and then go ahead and write it. Like, for example... I would have on my mind, I'm going to write this scene with Andre, and then I would start forming sentences and words in my head. 
then I would sit down and write it. And the thing is, the weird thing is about if you're a really determined writer, the moment you sit down in front of your computer or, you know, be that a laptop, a desktop or whatever writing apparatus you have, the moment you see that blinking cursor on black and white, things just kind of spell from your fingers. You know, there, there's going to be days where it's going to be painful and you're going to look at it and, you know, just stare and stare and stare and you just barely crank out, you know, 275 words and you feel like that's a lot. But mm -hmm. there's going to be those days where you get that 3,000 in and it spills and you want to write more and more and more, but you don't have the time or, you know, you fall asleep and you're at your desk. Absolutely. That makes so much sense. You know, this is going to yeah. be really helpful for a lot of our followers. You know, a lot of us struggle with balancing work and I guess you would say creative stuff and also the idea of inspiration because I'll, I'll admit it, like in the past, I could never get around to doing any comics or anything finished because I always felt like I didn't have enough inspiration. But I realized that once you start actually doing the series and scheduling it and putting it on places like Tapas and getting feedback, the inspiration will come more naturally to you. If you never put anything out there, it will be harder to get inspiration. And you feel more and more detached from your characters. And you're like, eh, I don't want to work on them anymore. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, I think that's for, um, I think just to, you know, to put it out there, I think creators need to assess what their characters mean to them. What significant role do characters play in their life? You know, like, I, I think for me, it's a very personal thing because I, I believe they're real people I can connect with. And I want to narrate their stories for them, or rather let them use me as a channel. And I think for people who are creating characters, you have to ask yourself... Um, what do your characters mean to you? And, and you have to be determined to push yourself to narrate it because you want to share that with the world. These characters need their story told. And the only way it's going to get done is when you sit in front of your Google Doc or whatever you have and you, and you pen that down, you type that down and you share it. Uh, be that on a, like a format like Tapas. And like mm -hmm. you said, it's so vital to get into a community platform and get feedback from like-minded people who understand your story and who appreciate the sweat, blood, and tears that go into uh, the, the hardships of writing and, and creating things. And, you know, even if you just have a number of followers, like, you know, let's say you're not blown up with, you, you know, like the, on the front page of Tapas, you know, um, but if you just have several strong, loyal followers, that can be the best thing in the world because it's so personal. You get to know them, they get to know you, and you connect with their yeah. well because you realize, wow, we have a lot in common. We even create in similar ways, and we're very dedicated to our craft. And um, it's so vital to get that out there. It's so vital to do it. And I really encourage a lot of writers to go on, you know, like say, go to Tapas. Uh, that's the most writer friendly format platform I have seen. Um, mm -hmm. And, and find people who are like yourself. You know, sometimes it can be hard to build up an audience. But, you know, like any kind of birth, you're going to have those difficult months, days, weeks. Um, but keep going at it because you will find people like yourself. You will find a good, strong community. Um, and, and you will develop that close following. And keep it, nurture it, 
do well by them, support them as much as they support you. Um, and, you know, take time to enjoy their work too, because they're taking time to enjoy your work so that the mutual enjoyment and appreciation is, is very rewarding too, because you can discover a lot of good things, um, by just connecting with different people who like your work. Like I think about all the great writers I have met uh, through Tapas and I love their work. I mean, honestly, the stuff they do, that's stuff that ought to be, it ought to be published. It ought to be um, New York bestsellers. It ought to be made into movies, you know, with big Marvel budgets, you know? Absolutely. Right. But yes, I think, you know, this idea of being inspired and just waiting for stuff to come to you doesn't always work for most people, you know, especially if you are trying to get things out there, you need to be disciplined. And I think that's what scares a lot of people away. They want their writing and art to be a hobby and they don't want it to be so structured because it feels like, you know, it's going to give them a lot of stress. But what I found out is that it's actually not that stressful. One of the reasons I didn't want to do a comic until last year in 2020 was because I thought it would be too stressful to make a buffer. You know, I wanted my art to only be a hobby, not to be something that had to be structured. But then I realized that, you know, I wasn't getting anything done and it was actually better to have structure, at least for me, because, you know, that really helped me to actually stay on track and create stuff, which led to me thinking about my characters more and getting more inspiration that way. Exactly, exactly. You know, I think that's another thing. The number, the number two, the number, the second assessment I think a creator needs to do is what their work means to them. The first one is what do your characters, what do your stories mean to you, but what does your work as a work itself means to you? And you have to think to yourself, is it a hobby or is it a passion? And a passion you'll want to structure it, you'll want discipline because you're going to see it as a very fulfilling job, not the crappy job you have, the mm. nine to five, you know, 60 hour a week where you're dead and you're just sucked into the, you know, survival of everything. And I think a lot of our audience can connect to that. Mm. I, I hear the folks, I'm on my feet 10 hours a day and it's rough, but um, you have to ask yourself, where do you want this to go and, and how determined, you know, you want this to work out. So you have to ask yourself, what are you willing to put into it? Because if you put in a lot and you put in structure and dedication, diligence, and a lot of discipline, and you do it on days where you feel like crap and it's painful to do it, like exercise with the body, you will have that reward and you will build that community. You will build that following. Um, you will improve so much better as a creator, um, and that will be rewarding. And you do, and you know, you never know what you're creating. That might be something that rewards you even larger. You might become a successful author. I'm not guaranteeing that. I mean, right now we're in the incubus stage of whether or not that'll happen. <laughs> um, but you know, you may become a successful artist or a comic book artist series or or whatever whatever kind of creator you're aiming to be you may get recognition for that and you never know how far that'll take you because people are starving for good stories. I think uh, humankind will always starve for stories. Um, it's been like that since mankind had the organized thought to be remotely human. It's what makes us human. 
that we form stories. We have the idea of stories. We want stories. Um, and I think now than ever, it's so easier to share stories and, and, and then gain recognition for it. We just need to discipline ourselves, make ourselves distinct and distinguish ourselves within the sea that's out there. And so I think creators need to realize, ask themselves, how far do I want to take my work? What does my work mean to me? Is it a passion or a hobby? If it's a hobby, then you just do it when you're inspired. And it's and that's all right. There's nothing wrong with that. But for the more impassioned creator, it becomes a passion and it becomes... Um, it becomes a part of your life, just like, I don't know, like uh, taking care of your health mm -hmm. or pay, paying your bills. That's what it becomes like. And it doesn't have to be stressful or mundane. It can be really rewarding. Like, I feel so happy when I can write down, even if it's 300 words or a 1,000 or 3,000, I'm happy when I see that progress on my Google Doc and I, and I read back and I'm reading what I wrote and then I can share that with other people. That is what is truly rewarding to read that, know that that's been written, know that's been created now, and it'll be out there to share, and it'll be imprinted in, in uh, mortality. It'll be immortalized, if you will. Exactly, right. So it's really a discipline, and, you know, kind of just moving away from the idea that, oh, it's something I do on the weekend when I've done everything. Because, I mean, it's you could do something with that, but it's hard to, you know, really build up a buffer and get engaged and do all these multimedia events that you know we've been involved in such as you know podcasting youtube and more exactly exactly and you know that's the thing it's so tempting in our modern world when we get tired out because let's face it all of us we say we work one job let's say we do that we're actually doing the equivalent of five people's jobs 20, 30 years ago, just because of the advent of technology and the insane demands on people. So one person's working five people jobs. And yes, it, it does seem very tempting to save something for the weekend or whenever you have off and just do it for funsies. But, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's awesome. I, it, you know, we need hobbies to keep us sane. Like I, I scrapbook a lot and that, that keeps me sane. Although that said, I realize I can incorporate scrapbooking my creativity because it's it's a create it's an art it's an art form whether it is an art form but um, where am I going with this? Um, but you have to have that daily discipline to to create or at least have the intention to create. There will be days where I can't get to create, but I plan in my head or I do something easier that's related to my creativity. Like say I couldn't write that day. I'll try to make a reel or make a cool Canva post or something. And, and that'll generate interest and it'll let me know, hey, I'm doing something that people like. And um, it keeps things interesting because, you know, the audience, you have to think of it from the audience's point of view. If you don't keep up a social media presence, people will forget about it. And you even have to do it with your loyal followers because even your most loyal followers, they want to know how dedicated you are with your work because they've invested time in your work. Therefore, they want to see how much you're invested in bringing this out to them and making the social media, being excited and packing about it. And like I said, those days where you can't create much, create a little bit, make a reel, uh, make a Canva post if you're not artistic or you just want to do make, make something. Um, you know, or 
just do just do something if you're an artist to do a sketch or or plan out like a thumbnail sketch of a a thing of the comic um and and also i think um brainstorm a lot in your head because there's going to be times where you're not going to be able to sit down in front of your keyboard and type but you can you can um kind of like plan this all out in your head and then once you get to your uh, keyboard you just just bang out that bad boy Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I yeah. agree. Yeah, yeah. I think that's really great advice. And you know, we should really think about that. Another question I have for you is what prompted this change in your lifestyle and how you approached creativity this year? When do you think you start changing? And was there something like an event or a conversation that prompted this change? I think a lot of it came. I was just well, there were several events that led to this, and some of which were personal, which I won't go into too much detail. Um, but the first one that started, I felt very dissatisfied with DeviantArt. I felt like I had to really um, work hard for very little, and it's like spending $10 to get a dollar back. And I wasn't enjoying art anymore. It felt more of an obligation, like, oh, nobody cares about my writing. I've got to do all this hard artwork so I can get maybe one or two good comments, and that's it. And I felt very frustrated with that. And I thought, well, I want to write. I mean, I love drawing, but it's so hard to draw. It takes so long, but I can do writing a lot better. I love writing. I love reading. I love literature. And so I began to read rethink about my productivity and where I was channeling my focus and energy. Um, another catalyst was, um, you know, concerning my, my family. And I think a lot of creators out there, maybe you're struggling with some family issues and you know, that's okay. A lot of times personal relationships and family relationships that can affect your creativity too. Um, whether that, inspires you motivates you or does the very opposite effect it's all right and a lot of times there will be times where you have to push through that and either ignore it or take advantage of the currents that are happening and i did um there was a big catalyst that had happened within my family um which some people may think of it as a negative note but i i saw it as a positive note because it was um a very liberating thing. Um, so that's something that a lot of creators besides work uh, can face, you know, with, with uh, family problems or whatever have you. Um, another catalyst, I think, was, was mainly you. you. You really guided me and really pushed me to do that. And I was really inspired by what I saw what you were doing with, um, you know, Sam in New York and the Book of Joel. I was really inspired by what you were having and what you were enjoying the reaping the um, rewards on tapas. And I was impressed with your skills, your productivity, your creativity, your prowess, your discipline. And I thought, I want that. And I wanted to improve so badly. I didn't want to be stuck in the rot that I was, which was doing nothing and just daydreaming about it. So I really pushed myself. And at first, I didn't know what I was doing. At first, I felt a little whiny. It's like when somebody tries to exercise with their body for the first time. You can't do 10 push-ups. You know, by the fourth one, you feel like you're going to die. Mm -hmm. But you got to keep pushing through. And before you know it, 
you know, you're already, you know, cranking out 25 and you're not even breaking a sweat. And that, that is what disciplining yourself to be more productive is like. You're very right. It's exactly like that. And, you know, you've come a far, you've come a long, you've come, sorry, a long way this year. I mean, at the beginning of this year, you told me that um, you actually were kind of not sure how to make a reel. You know, you were kind of intimidated by a lot of things on social media. I was, I was. It was a matter of um, not really knowing how to utilize the social media because I felt, I thought, oh, nobody looks at this stuff. Why should I put so much time and effort into something that nobody looks at? I'm like, who cares about my work? But the more I thought about it, the more I saw how you were, you know, getting, you know, getting a following and, and you were so rewarded by it. I thought, I want that. and I'm going to try it out. And it's going to be a bit of a struggle, but I'm going to keep pushing. And like I said, there's going to be days where you want to throw in the towel. And, it, and there were many times where I got, you know, a little in, a little peeved and I, I didn't want to make reels or I didn't want to do anything on Canva. And I was reluctant. To, I was struggling back and forth whether or not I wanted to join Tapas. And you kept pushing me and pushing me. And finally, I, I did it. And, and that helped, um, I mean where I am now, I would have never believed it last year. That's true. It, it, do you think the biggest thing, the biggest uh, barrier to you joining these uh, places and doing certain things, was it fear that no one would care and you were, you would put in too much effort only to get nothing? Like that was my biggest, art? that was my biggest fear. I was fearing that tapas was going to be a sadder version of DeviantArt because at least with DeviantArt, I really busted my tail and put in a lot of long, hard hours of just burning my eyes on a screen, rep replying to people and commenting. Um, at least I got like 10 people who would comment and, you know, like people who would fave and stuff like that. But on Tapas, I was so scared because I knew how people didn't give, on DeviantArt anyway, people didn't care about tech stuff. And I was scared. I thought, well, Tapas, I'm only going to have like one follower that says cool or something. And one fave like every three uh chapters and i thought do i really want to give up deviant art for being basically nobody an invisible ghost on tapas and me putting in all you know just burying my soul with my writing which is so personal and part of my intricate soul uh just to have one random person with a blank avatar say cool and that's it you know <laughs> well luckily that did not happen no, it did not. The very opposite happened. Um, I was, oh my gosh, I was blown away when I was on the tapas racks with Scale Blood and Bone that one week. I, I That floored me, and I got so many views. I have 47 followers for Scale Blood and Bone. In fact, we just got two new ones this week, which, you know, I would not expect. Um, great following. Um, I've got several followers with Scale Blood and Bone who are really enjoying it. Um, and I, I plan to build more. I just want to find more people who are um, of of the same genre and mind of scale, blood and bone. Um, but uh, I found some wonderful, wonderful people, and that includes people like um, Endless Midnight Moon, um, uh, Becca, also known as Ginger Cat Attack, um, uh, Yvonne Skilling, uh, and uh, and uh, Pompastic, Hellevorn, Hellevorn and Pompastic. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. wonderful, wonderful, rich creators, um, just icons. I mean, like I said, these are people, they need to be published. They need to have their works adapted into Marvel blockbusters. I know. I, I totally agree. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's just great how you are willing to expand and, you know, kind of actually just, you know, try something new because some people, you know, since especially since deviant art has started to decline and not become as popular, a lot of people just gave up on sharing their art online. And, you know, I guess they just have some daydreams about their stuff, but they never otherwise do anything about it. And, you know, that's the sad thing. I think, I mean, and, you know, unfortunately, DeviantArt is declining, especially since Eclipse happened. And Eclipse is the worst user face uh, thing I have ever seen. It is, it's dreadful. I, I've never seen such a sloppy interface. I don't mind talking, uh, throwing shade on DeviantArt right now. Um, but DeviantArt should really reevaluate what they did with Eclipse because that ruined things for writers and artists that... I can't even access half of the things in my gallery now, as, as we saw in one of our podcasts. That's true. Exactly. And, um, there's a lot yeah. of problems. There's a lot of And the decline. There's no real sense of community. It's just... Um, but I think for people who are artists and want to share, um, I think Tapas would also help with artistry. I think you can illustrate a story. Um, now... Purely artistic people, that's going to be a little harder to do. I don't know where you could turn to for that. Um, I would definitely say Instagram. Um, but, you know, who knows? There may be another platform on the horizon, you know, something that will uh, replace DeviantArt. We don't know yet. Or maybe there will be some miracle and uh, at the 11th hour, DeviantArt suddenly reverts and reforms and it's a good place for artists. I don't know. We'll see. But... Um, I guess for me, I'm talking primarily for people who are writer-based because unfortunately, with our visual-driven way we consume media, text-based media is often um, is often ignored, marginalized, or it's it's um, it's you, you know what I mean. It's like it's it's not as easily digestible or gain recognition. Like somebody who draws a cool illustration. We'll get, you know, like 10 comments, but somebody who writes like a cool chapter, you may not garner as, as much attention, but that's where you have to have that drive in your community and find like-minded people. Exactly. Those are great points. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And I think this year, um, you know, we've also kind of expanded into more genres. Last year, you mostly focused on Gerda and Kai as a fantasy story. But this year, you know, you've written other things, too. You've gone back to Andre's story. You know, you've written a lot for him. I think you, you're, you like, halfway through his book at this point. Yeah, at this point, we're, we're kind of, like, 65% into his story. I mean, I've expanded my genres. Um, before, I was trying to do traditional fantasy. And, like I said, there's a lot of problems with, with the genre. Um, mostly the way our modern community treats it and works with it which you know we've explained in a few other podcasts and we'll probably have more podcasts on that matter but um i was limited by it because it was a very visual driven genre and i felt exhausted by it and i didn't feel anywhere with it but then i expanded i went with andre andre is historical 
non-fictional to a degree. Um, it is it is um, uh, modern. It's twentieth century based. It's it's dealing with a real thing that a real thing happened, which is um, the the um, the emergence of uh, the communist. Uh, you know the so you know the USSR, the formation of that, um, the results of the October Revolution, and the devastating effects of decossification, decossification um, of uh, southern Russia and Ukraine. And, uh, you know, we see this from the individual experience of one man who lost everything and is trying to find himself again, you know, in this new and alien world. It's a new and alien world for him. And um, that expanded. Um, Scale, Blood and Bone is fantasy, but it challenges fantasy because it's dealing with psychology, you know, which isn't to say that other fantasy works. I mean, lots of fantasy works have done it, like McKinley stuff, um, Sadie Lackey. Um, uh, we could even argue Pratchett does too, you know, because, you know, Pratchett, you know, rest in peace mm -hmm. is, a, is a really great guy, um, really great creator. But Scale, Blood and Bone was different than anything I had done before. And, you know, number one, that was inspired and based on your characters and events. But also, two, it's dealing with some searing psychological stuff. It's not just, oh, cool magic or, oh, there's dragons or you know, the big castle or, you know, um, intricate magic system, you know, let's see how, like, I don't know, like in The Witcher, like, oh, let's just use all these runes and uh, whatever elemental casting whatnot stuff. And, um, you know, instead, Scale Blood and Bone doesn't focus on the magic system. It, it focuses on events and people and how they're affected by it and relationships and, you know, the the convoluted twisting psychology of people um, and people trying to, to break free from like dysfunction or, you know, something that's been hindering them. So scale blood and bone is a challenging fantasy. It's more of a, it's, it's fantasy mixed with psychological and drama. And um, so scale blood and bone has been very um, challenging. Um, the new thing we have now, which is in its infancy death and the midwife it, it's you don't know what to think of it. it it's period it's historical to a degree but it's also totally magic realism with a lot of fantasy peppered in and i don't know what to make of death and the midwife but it, it's something it, it we'll see because right now it's still in the kind of embryonic stage if you will very true right yeah. i think it's a mix of genres and like you said, I think the best word to describe it is magic realism. And I guess, you know, I think it is a good culmination of what you've learned for Gerda and the Frost Lord, because I think as you, as we've discussed on the podcast before, Gerda and the Frost Lord, one of the shortcomings and one of the frustrations you had with the work was how long winded it was because you know of the world building and the fact that it wasn't that structured you just kept on using it as a way to you know kind of daydream away about all the different tiny things in their world exactly that was the that was a frustrating if you will the uh the creator's manke if i'm pronouncing that word right the frustration um it was long-winded the descriptions took too long i I did. I was more focused on the world and what was happening in the plot and the actions than I was the characters, and that was frustrating. And it it didn't feel rewarding. It was very exhausting. 
and the only time I enjoyed it was when I was doing dialogue with uh, Gerda and the Frost Lord, but that over time became uh, one note, and I, we really couldn't get into the meat of things because it was always about a concept, never about the development, and that's another problem in fantasy. If you're always focused on a concept, then you're never going to get any character development. You're not going to get any, you know, satisfying things with the character doing different things, and... Um, you know, that's sort of the pitfall, if you will, with fantasy. And you ha I think a lot of creators in that genre, you have to watch out for that. Absolutely. Right. And I guess for myself, I've explored some interesting genres this year, too, with, you know, the Book of Joel, most notably. Because last year, I, I didn't think that Joel would have a story of his own. No, last year we didn't. I mean, it was still in the stage where we had no idea where it was going to go. Was it going to be a one-shot comic? Was he going to, you know, remain kind of a, you know, opposite foil to uh, to Sam? So we had no idea, you know, where Joel stood in terms of his story. Right. And, you know, you really helped me to flesh him out into his own character, like we talked about before. I, I was very grateful to be part of that journey. I'm very thankful you allowed me to be part of that journey because um, I, I sensed there was so much potential with Joel and I felt there could be things that we could explore with Joel that we couldn't with Sam. And I feel like it, it revealed a lot of different facets and aspects. And, um, you know, I, uh, I, I was just honored to be part of that journey and see Joel develop from where he began as this concept of a foil uh, to what he is now, which is just this full-fleshed uh, human being. And, and, you know, like I said, people like Sam and Joel, they could very well be people who were alive in 1920s New York. I mean, we could probably look in a record document. We might even find people who were exactly like them, maybe even find old photographs of people who looked exactly like them. That's very true. Yeah, I think that's why they feel so alive. And that's why it's so rewarding to work on them. It is, it is. I mean, that's how I feel about um, Andre. And the more I think about it, Kai is slowly becoming that way because Kai is allowed to be a human and not just, you know, kind of this palette for fantasy ideals and what's cool, you know, almost like a video game character. He's, he's, he's now a human being. Right. And did you feel like when he was the Frost Lord, he just felt like a video game character? He did. He felt a lot like a video. I mean, I was even making fun of that. I, I wanted to write a chapter where um, Gerda's trying to, she's worried about him. He's He hasn't come back from his travels. And she's trying to summon him, but she doesn't know his real name. So she's summoning him based on description. And she's summoning a ton of people from different video game, anime, fantasy <laughs> stuff. Like she's got Lord Sashamaru, uh, she's got Sephiroth, um, she's got uh, Elric. She's she's even got Geralt of all people in her house. That's and, true. He's another badass, white-haired man. Exactly, hair. and, and and everybody's like, what? And like, well, I went on the description. We'll we'll put another modifier on that description, and then ends up with another character, and um, it's 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 kind of funny and chaotic because she has all these characters now in your house. Because imagine if you had Sephiroth, Shishamaru, Elric, and, and Geralt, and other people all in your house at the same time. I know. 
But yes, this was an amazing episode. And I think we're going to be doing more episodes this Christmas Eve and tomorrow during Christmas. We're just going to be like randomly talking on Instagram and actually recording these episodes, you know, on Instagram now that I have better, you know, mics and stuff and actually posting them afterwards. So you guys are going to hear about a multiplicity of topics and you guys are going to learn a lot. And, you know, we're going to learn a lot, too, as we talk. Definitely, definitely. I, I hope this helps you creators out there. We love and appreciate you guys. And um, hopefully a lot of this information will help you. It's a hard world out there balancing everything, but you can do it. If you really want it, you can do it. And we're more than happy to share our experiences of the, you know, hard trod road that we have, uh, you know, uh, journeyed upon. Mm -hmm. All right. Thank you so much, Tete. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you so much. This was awesome. Thanks. All right. Bye. Bye.